the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five fighters you thought would become champion but never came close with Aaron Bronstetter. This was a fun one, folks, so strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am Dan Tom, your host. Analyst is where you can find at MMA Junkie as well as linemovement.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, but in a different way. That's right. This is a top five show, the shows that I love, uh, the shows that I'm more pumped about uh, for a reason, because it's always good to break away from the crazy schedule that seems to never stop these days, whether it be UFC or otherwise, but to do that, to reflect, to appreciate our history, which we don't do enough, I need a co-host to, of course, give my audience a break from this terrible <laughs> voice and host. That is one of the hosts with the most is a returning co-host. He hosts his own show, the TSN MMA Show, which I just made double-checked to make sure I already rated it and reviewed. You should, too. It is Aaron Bronstetter, at Aaron Bronstetter. What's up, Aaron? Everything's good, Dan. You know, you forgot to mention the uh, the UFC pre-show that yourself and I do every uh, every Saturday. So I'm happy to, of course, repay the favor by doing this. And when you mentioned you were going to do top five shows, I had a topic in mind, and uh, let's have at it. Yeah, man. And by the way, to that pre-show, it's starting to feel like its own show and podcast now. In fact, uh, it, it was even mentioned. I think it even got a shout out for you know a podcast and to to not miss or whatever to the uh, uh, Sound of Violence guys. By the way, shout out to t- at TSOV Pod. So um, your your pre-show is picking up attention for what it's worth, Aaron. And I'm I'm just I'm happy that you'd even have me, man. I. Uh, uh, so you know, out of out of out of favor, I got to have you back because, of course, you're a great uh, a great co-host. Uh, me and you have a lot of uh, similar tastes. We've been not covering the sport for a similar time. You've been covering the sport way longer than I have, but we've been aware of the sport for similar times. However, this is a top five list, like you teased, uh, and I'll let you set up because this is your idea. But this is a top five list, Aaron. That perhaps we could have very little crossover. We could, I dare say be all over the place yeah that's why i like this topic because it's, it's based on the eye test really it's you, you see somebody compete and you say one day this guy could be a champion and then they don't they, they they don't get there they don't not only do they not get there they don't get close they don't get to a, become a title you know into a title eliminator maybe they get into the rankings maybe they become kind of a gatekeeper in some cases they totally flame out a lot of the guys on my list are, are, are in that uh, that category so uh let's have at it i think we're, we're gonna have a very fun show talking about uh, these people because i don't think if, if there's any crossover i will be surprised i think that we probably have five different people because again i think it's based on what we're seeing and then kind of assessing it and saying oh wow i, I really see something here and then i you know sometimes the eye test uh there's more than meets the eye because while you can see a lot of uh, different things in terms of physicality in terms of uh technique sometimes the mental game doesn't always translate or sometimes there's holes that you don't see right away and you know sometimes people are getting a lot of you know quick finishes and then people figure them out a whole different variety of ways why people can look uh like they're going to be something that perhaps they're not i love it i love it yeah uh and again so top five fighters who never became champ or who sorry top five fighters you thought would become champion but but never became uh close never came close i should say um 
that's a great setup. But let me just also, I guess, add to that, Aaron, that this isn't meant to, you know, crap on any of these fighters. If anything, this is kind of the laugh at our own judgment, right? Because, again, we've all been there. We've all had these early marks where we're like, this is going to be the guy. Whether we genuinely thought so, maybe there was a little bit of that you know, long-time sports fan gear where you're trying to you're trying to pick it up early so you can be like, dude, I called it. You know, whatever it is, we've all, whatever the motive, we've all done it, right? So this isn't picking on fighters. In fact, um, not to get too off track, but maybe a little fun background on both of us, just a random question before we move on here. Aaron, we're not, again, we're not beyond, uh, we're not, by the way, this is a holiday edition, of course. You got the half Chinese guy and the Jewish guy from Canada, so I figured it was really appropriate here. But, if, you know, uh, I'm trying to stay in the holiday spirit. But, uh, but Aaron, uh, again, you know, joking about ourselves and continuing in that spirit just to keep this light and, and keep things in a, in, a, in a healthy perspective here, right, um, as we try to do on this show. Uh, you know, there's plenty of things that we've all, as well, whether it, it, it be martial arts or not related, that I'm sure we've, we've tried and we thought we were going to be really good at. And it turns out maybe we weren't so good at. We ended up doing something completely different. I don't know, Aaron. Uh, you tell me. Maybe you're like one of these many journalists who, you know, you were doing a lot of these things early. That that was gonna say you, you were gonna be someone that was interviewing people. Wouldn't surprise me with your personality. But was there anything you thought from young adult Aaron to young child Aaron that you're like, I'm gonna do this for a living, and you know, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. I well, at one point in time, I thought I'd be like a sports play-by-play guy, and I did do some of it in college, but it didn't end up being my career. I, I still would love to do it. I'm not closing that door. You know, if anybody's looking for somebody to do commentary at an MMA event, uh, don't look for me to be, you know, the color analyst. But I would love to do the play-by-play. I feel like I could handle that, uh, and I would love to do it. So I'm not closing that door, but it's, it hasn't panned out. Let's just put it that way. And 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 to to further to what you said about. Uh, what we're saying about these fighters, they all made it to the UFC. I mean, they, these guys all made it to the highest level. Not everybody's going to be a champion. In fact, you're talking about an infinitesimal amount of fighters that end up becoming a champion. Uh, maybe another day we can do the, the show on uh, people that we did think that we thought would become champion and did become champion because uh, that list, uh, I've got a couple of guys on that list, but uh, I think that this particular list is a little bit more fun because, you know, you can always say, oh, I said that guy was going to become champion. It's like, okay, well, great. I think a lot of people thought Khabib was going to become champion one day. But, uh, Let's uh, let's let's get into it. Yeah, get our hands dirty. yeah, absolutely. I will say that uh, I could see you as at least yours was kind of close. I was gonna say mine real quick was a FBI agent, uh, but uh, you know, for a lot of reasons and academic setups and uh, you know, threats diagnosis and some other things, I realized that probably wasn't gonna be as realistic as I would think. However, uh, similar to you, Aaron, uh, I, I was always a big Marv Albert fan, and I hated Bill Walton. Yes. Um, yes, yes. Well, because Bill Walton, Bill Walton was just like Walton, this guy is. This guy is. A, this guy is a terrible defensive player. Pippen with the steal, like I said, fantastic defensive player. That was my Bill Walton impression. Um, yeah, he was like the typical sure, front runner. Victory, but he'd also be like. Scotty Pippen reminds me of a concert at the Fillmore in 1973 when I saw the Grateful Dead perform. And then you see the set list, and it's beyond your wildest imagination. That's the kind of tools that Scotty Pippen has. That uh, kind of stuff is why I love Bill Walton. He, he is great, and of course I'm defending the guy who, you know, took a bite out of a hooker's shoulder for all I know. Is that the same guy, right? Uh, either way, the point is <laughs> they were all great, and they all had their faults, okay? <laughs> but allegedly uh marbell biting, biting the mic jokes i remember those those were funny uh anyways but the the, the point was i had a, a love for broadcasting and that's always i think i talked about it on a recent podcast as well like um that's always been um a, a dream of mine and i know that's never going to happen for the ufc now especially with the way they do again play by play aaron but if, if you're looking for some color 
uh, I'm your guy. I know that's never going to happen for the big organizations is they need like real former fighters, not guys that just got their ass kicked by Marvin Eastman's son, right? Um, so yeah, that, I, you, know, you watch, you, you watch uh, the, um, what's it called, Between the Lines or whatever it's called. You could do a show. You could be on a show like that. Like if, let's say, uh, something happens to Nick Kalikas or Yanni the Greek, you could be, the, you could be on, the, on the, uh, the short list of people to replace them. I think you'd do a great job at that. I appreciate that, and I, I love that Nick's up there. He's an OG. He deserves it. And for as much uh, shit as the Greeks got, I think he's closed the year out pretty strong, so you got to tip your hat. Um, and they do a good job. I really like their format uh, in the way they brought that debate up, just to give them a quick shout. And I appreciate that compliment. Uh, however, me and my standings, uh, it'll go. we'll wind down in my, <laughs> into some real self-deprecating talk of where I think I stand and we're, we'll, we'll go in this industry, which is not great. So let's push on from there. Uh, again, because... Uh, with this, but that's apropos to the spirit of this list, right? Sometimes you just you, you, things just don't work out. So again, folks, this isn't this isn't a shot on anybody. We you know, we're just we're all human beings here. That, that we're just as culpable, and it's something we need to remind ourselves about these fighters. But yes, that is the top. Yes, that is the topic. Top five yes. fighters. Yes, you thought would be champ. Uh, oh God, speaking of my turns, there you go. I'm gonna be doing that for a minute. Um, and it reminded me of one of my favorite, you know, not the, uh, speaking of depressing stuff, uh, one of my favorite bands, Lifelong Tragedy, uh, one of the, this awesome lyric that popped into my head um, as we was putting together the list, the song came on, and I'm like, oh, this is apropos, and it's uh, Sweet Innocence with Loser's Luck. I know you think you're giving love, but you're just getting fucked. Uh, so on that note, let's do our top five fighters you thought would be champ, but never came close. Aaron, you, you, you brought this topic to the table. Um, you set up your guidelines. We're, we're reasonably close. We'll, I think we can explain these as we go on and, and set them up. Otherwise, we'll just give them away. So, like you said, why don't we start off? You take the steering wheel. We may do the Chinese fire drill in between, but uh, you lead us off with your number five, sir. You know the format. Yes, sir. Uh, well, this is a fighter who still, I think, has the skills to become a champion or, or could have become a champion. And it was not for a lack of skill or a lack of talent. It was for a lack of weight-cutting acumen that held this, this individual back. Uh, a man who would always have his fists balled up going into a fight. This isn't the guy who ever had any eye poke violations because his hands were always balled up in the fists, and that's John Lineker. He lost more on the scale than he did to his opponents. You know, a fight with Demetrius Johnson is still kind of the white whale of that flyweight division, but, you know, Lineker just... He, I, I think he probably missed weight at, at flyweight more than he actually made weight, uh, and that's never a good thing. And I think that that's kind of what held him back from getting into that title picture. I think he could have beaten just about anybody at flyweight with his skill set and with, with his hands and with his power. Um, you know, he was the guy... Probably he's probably like the original Davis and Figueredo, and maybe not with the same submission acumen, but in terms of how hard he hit, in terms of that one punch knockout power, in terms of the balled up fist, in terms of the kind of flat footed walk forward, him and Figueredo have a lot of commonality. Uh, but because he was so flaky, uh, not only did he miss weight at flyweight, he would inevitably miss weight at bantamweight, uh, and then inevitably have a weight cutting comp uh, complication that would get him cut from the roster altogether. And uh, ended up taking his talents and brick hands to one championship. But John Lineker uh, is probably, of the people on this list, the most talented that I have. Um, and the one that probably came the closest to at least contention. Uh, but yeah, John Lineker, uh, that's a guy that I think, if you look at his, his resume, yeah, he, he lost to Bagautinov. He lost to Gaudino, actually, in his UFC debut. Still a top five uh, flyweight but, fight, by the way. Still a top five flyweight fight. Yeah, that oh, that fight's was great. great fight. And uh, of course, uh, Lineker missed weight for that one. Uh, Lineker missed weight here. I've got it in front of me, actually. One, two, three, four times. Uh, four times. One, two, yeah, out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
out of eight. So it was half the time, basically. He missed, for nine. He missed weight. So oh, that's, wow. That, that's not good. So, But I still think that Lineker should have – like not only could he have become a champion, I think he should have become at least a, a, a title challenger at some point, if not for getting in his own way. That's a great pick, man. I, um, you know, it feels risky picking fighters of the modern era that are still active, um, that you could say still in our, their prime. But the, uh, I have a lot of similar fighters, maybe even from similar weight classes and similar times, Aaron, um, that are going to be on this list. So uh, definitely not nothing to scoff at or disqualify or question about. Um, but you got to make a case like that. And Lineker does make that case because... In all these breakdowns and and whatnot, um, I know Davis and Figueredo is easy to like. Just he's he's the new hot girl, right? It's easy to like go ah those no those girls before didn't matter. Demetrius Johnson meant nothing to me, Davis. Don't worry about her. Don't worry about those pictures. Uh, you know, it's really easy to do that, and I understand Davison's awesome. But one thing I was really surprised that whether it was positive or negative, people would bring up the DJs right in comparison to Hudo, whatever. No one was bringing up Lineker, and that was like the parallel, you know, for the power at least uh, side of it. The not making weight, the what could could have been, and of course, Figueredo is succeeding, and good on him for it. But man, did Lineker really do damage by not making? You know, four times may not sound like a lot, which it is um, at a professional standard at the UFC level. By the way, it's a lot um, for a career, um, just at the UFC level alone. But what that did to him now, he's not even being mentioned, Aaron. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that definitely hurt him. And, um, and yeah, yeah, I could t- totally see that because even though I thought Ian McCall was going to beat him and Ian McCall's a really bad performance, right? Uh, and he's sec- a guy that could make this list. Maybe he's on your list. He's not on mine, but he's a guy that should, is certainly in the conversation. Although he was, I, I forgot the preface that, that off the top, this, I, I disqualified anybody that was in a title eliminator fight or an a title fight, fight interim fight. Lines. Yeah, or yeah, or title eliminator. I think McCall was in a title eliminator at some point in time. I guess because he was in that tournament, right? So had he beaten uh, Demetrius Johnson, he would have fought for the title, right? So yep. uh, he kind of wouldn't he he wouldn't make my list, but uh, you could certainly make a case that he should be on the list. Yeah, and then not that having a, a belt before or prior in a smaller organization can disqualify you off this list. Um, because you could find holes perhaps in my list coming up. However, yeah, he also he had the Tachi Palace. He was number one ranked um, for a minute uh, with Juicier, right? Uh, so so it, it gets it gets into the weeds there. But I like your Lineker pick for sure. Um, <clears throat> we will revisit that division later. But we're going to go to the opposite end of that division. Um, and I find that a lot of mine were early on, Aaron, because I feel like, you know, Old jaded uh, Dan Tom wasn't as jaded in my early MMA fandom. Uh, I wasn't as educated. I wasn't as experienced, right? Um, and uh, this guy comes around from that time. And so I think it was those times it was much easier. Whereas, like, the typical names that are on, I saw on a lot of listener lists, which we'll get to, Aaron, the typical names you think will be on a list didn't make my list because. Old, as I say, old contrarian Dan Tom, uh, the contrarianness was set in well by the time certain names came about. Let's just say, okay, and I'll leave it at that. Um, so I wasn't as high on these guys. I was probably the guy fading these guys. So if I was being honest, um, which I, I tried to be uh, always on the show, of course, and I did here, uh, I left them off my list. So a lot of mine are going early. And again, this is the heavyweight division. 
And I remember one of my friends who, you know, was a big Crow Cop fan. He would wear it. The bass player, Steve Cruz, shout out to him. He would wear it to our band practices, help get me an MMA, you know, rocking all the Pride t-shirts. I remember a couple, you know, I was already starting to get in MMA as a casual. I was already in MMA as a casual, right? And uh, at this point, tough noob, right? And But this guy outside of tough, um, this is kind of shortly after Brock Lesnar made his debut and his big splash, right? Right after. And everybody was fine, trying to find the next wrestler making the crossover and old steve busts out after band practice and he's giggling like, what are you giggling over that giggling over there for and he busts out this bobby lashley action figure <laughs> um that was just dis disproportionate muscles everywhere because it was bobby lashley but i think this action figure took some liberties that may or may not have resembled a uh, zangief's uh, crotch section from street fighter in the uh in the groin area uh that he was giggling about and, and felt the need to show me and of course because dan tom's sense of humor is still like a child then and it is now uh, i found it very funny i'm like who is this bobby lash the guy i gotta know right you know so shout out to the top five thick fighters right even though he wasn't on there he's thick boy um, but you look at Bobby Lashley and you're like, oh, crap. And then Coker at the time was trying to give him the, the soft setup, right? They gave him the Jason Guida. Um, they gave him, like, you know, the, these certain names. I think it was actually Rebney. I think it was Rebney. Oh, was it Rebney? Was it Rebney? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. This would have been Strike Force. No, you're right. Yeah, Strike Force. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Early, yeah, yeah. When he and, bought uh, Chad Griggs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and he gets, Chad he gets. Griggs? Chad Griggs? Chad Griggs. Right yeah, that's right. Chad, Chad Griggs, Griggs spoiled the party, you know. Uh, top yeah. five. I gave him an honorable mention on top five unlikely heroes because it was unlikely. I mean, this dude looks like he just got done off of a, a union shift with mutton chops, literal mutton chops, <laughs> Chad Griggs. And he's just this brawler who, like, was in this stupid fun fight. I mean, if you want to go back and see John Vellante when he was still trying, I mean, go back and watch John Vellante versus Griggs. That was a heavyweight Vellante um, worth watching, you know. And um, and yeah, man, uh, Griggs was the first guy to upset him. He, he let her, uh, yeah, he made made his way into Bellator, and I believe ran into some stumbles there. And 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 it became clear that, you know, he not only did not maybe like to be hit. That there was the rumors of a Brock, but he also didn't have, um, the same you know a, a athleticism, the same uh, when a guy is hurt, um, the, the same finishing uh, abilities and instincts. He didn't apply the catch wrestling as much as Brock, etc., and, and and the guy never never panned out. But it's not crazy to say that there were there were people that you know, especially if you didn't know any better, you were just like, oh, this guy, this guy's gonna do damage once he gets to the UFC, and he didn't even make it to the UFC, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, he ended up in Bellator, like you mentioned. And yeah, I, I don't know why he didn't end up in the UFC. It would have been, a, I think, a good crossover. Because he had skills. Like he was, you could tell he was a skilled fighter. Sure. At the heavyweight level, it's easy to look like a skilled fighter a lot of the times. But, uh, yeah, he was certainly a guy that I thought they were at least going to give good setup fights to. I, I was never sure if he was going to be able to cross that finish line because he was a pro wrestler. You know that you're not giving your full focus to MMA, but uh, definitely, a, definitely a solid pick. I mean, you, he's, he's a perfect eye test guy where you look at a guy, he's got a wrestling background, he he's, looks like that and uh, is, has marketability. You, you're always trying to set guys like that up for success if you're a promoter. Totally, totally, and uh, they tried, man. They certainly tried, but uh, but it didn't happen. So that that is uh, that is my number one, number five, probably the only guy I guess that didn't make the UFC uh, prior to your uh, prior to your uh, how you were kind of shaping your list. Yeah, for sure, um, and I think Strikeforce is a good pool to draw from for sure uh, because there was such good talent in in Strikeforce. All right, number four, Aaron. What do you got? So this this is another guy that that got into the rankings. Like he he didn't have 
Uh, he didn't flame out. He just never got to the very upper echelon of the division. Um, and he was still being tested by USADA as of last year, but was not tested this year. So I don't know if he's still on the roster, but it's stun gun. Dong Young Kim started 5-0 and in the UFC. Won no contest. Uh, lost to Carol Parisian, but that was overturned. But the wins, Nate Diaz, Matt Brown, TJ Grant in his first five fights gets wins there. Again, didn't quite get into championship territory, but has a 13-4 and one no contest record in the UFC. Uh, his his last uh, his last bout of court being left in a pool of his own blood by Colby Covington. That's the way Covington uh, you know describes all of his uh, his wins. I left him in a pool of his own blood. Uh, but yeah, that, that was the last time he fought. It was in 2017. And uh, like I said, neither him nor the other Dong Young Kim were tested by USADA in 2020. So I just don't know if they weren't going into Korea to do testing for travel reasons or whatever. Maybe he's still on the roster. I, I, I went on his Instagram and he's got the, uh, the stun gun team. So he's, he's still working with a lot of the young talent in South Korea. But uh, yeah, a guy who has a lot of quality wins. He beat Tarek Safadine, uh, beat Josh Berkman, uh, beat John Hathaway, uh, a guy who might come up later on in the show. Uh, Eric Silva, another guy that you could make a case could be on this list, a guy that certainly had the eye test going for him. Uh, you know, C.R. Bajardizada, Paulo Tiago, a lot of good names uh, on this guy's resume. He, he beat Amir Sadala back when Sadala had just won the Ultimate Fighter and was an up-and-coming guy. So uh, Stun Gun never quite got to that level. One of my favorite fighters to watch and a guy that I certainly thought had the upside to become a champion because he was railing off that kind of a streak early on and, and really had kind of the look and uh, a really diverse skill set uh, with, you know, kind of the judo background, good striking, etc. Was it the Matt Brown fight that sold you when he, when, he, when he did that? I think that was his coming out party, right, back in the day? Yeah, and, and Matt Brown Matt Brown had a weird kind of career lull where it started off. Sure. You know, he started off being good. And he had like this drop-off. I don't know what you could, you know. I, he managed to hang around the UFC for long enough to be able to rebound, basically. Like he had an interesting career because he kind of fell right off a cliff and then came back and, and started fighting well again. But, uh, yeah, Kim was one of the first guys to kind of beat Matt Brown in that sort of fashion. And that also, you know, of course, wins over Nate Diaz and TJ Grant. I mean, you can't take that away from him either. Those were great wins. And that's when you saw this guy who looked like he fit the, you know, he, he fit the part but uh, didn't end up getting to that championship level. I'm glad you're giving uh, Dong some shine there, Aaron. I mean, this guy is, uh, you know, he, he came in during a easy. tough time. I know, I know, easy, easy. Sorry, stay on target. He was, uh, of, of, all, of the many typos that I posted earlier in my 2000 and 2007 and 2008 debuting fighters, um, one, of, one of the ones that was in question was um, Dong Young Kim. Uh, and uh, I was like, I don't think that, that 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 actually wasn't uh, one of my fuck ups <laughs> for once uh, because I, I didn't think that he was active either. And then you mentioned the USADA test plus the absence and uh, rumblings that I think he's done more like entertainment stuff in Korea. Anyways, gotten more into that side of the business. Um, you know, good good on him, but yeah, I don't think he's a part of it. And and yeah, I remember that Matt Brown fight because I remember going over that back take in class at Extreme Couture like the day after the weekend after the week after it happened. And shout, I don't know what happened to this guy, Scott Barry, who was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and was one of the coaches. Remember, yeah. was a coach at the time. You remember? Okay, and uh, and this isn't, uh, you know, uh, any kind of like I'm not trying to, be, you know, I, I just remember it just kind of made it funnier for whatever reason, like because of his choice of words. Um, but like Scott Barry had this very kind of. Uh, and then nothing wrong with it, by the way. I don't want just to come off like homophobic or anything. Nothing wrong with an effeminate voice or effeminate tendencies. Uh, I have some myself. So nothing wrong with that. But like Scott, when he was teaching, like, even when he was teaching, he kind of had like this almost like this, this like this yeah, flair. Yeah. And it was yeah. great. But it was and it was great. I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not coming, taking a shot uh, at him or, or trying to come off. But 
it, it was the perfect combination. The reason why I mentioned that because it was a perfect combination, and because uh, he sets up class, he's like, "All right, today's lesson: Who watched the UFC this week?" And we're like, hey, "Everyone raises their hand." He goes, "Did you guys see the dong? You see the dong? Take Browns back." And he wasn't trying to be funny, but he kept going, "You guys see the dong?" And uh, and then he was doing the back, and he was doing showing us like the importance of the body triangle, right? Which was like kind of more you know near and un- understood in like 2007 whatever it was body. he had a great body time yeah and, and and we were going over the mechanics and he was like uh he was like he was like dong is definitely a dangerous guy to get let get behind you and then me and my buddy steve from the band practice we're now in classes right <laughs> at this point we've moved on and we're actually trying to learn this stuff and we're we're our sense of humor of course is still juvenile so we're like <laughs> the whole time and uh that is forever burned into my head i don't know why i incriminated uh, myself yeah. further but yeah. you know it seems like a uh, certainly a good anecdote <laughs> hey you remember scott barry at least i'm not pulling names out of nowhere <laughs> Who's your number four, Dan, before we go too deep down this rabbit hole? Oh, okay, sorry. My number four is Wilson Govea. I didn't even set that up, did I? I don't even know where we left off. We went off on your uh, Dong Young Kim. Dong Young Kim. Young, Young Kim, yeah, that was a rabbit hole. Thank you. Uh, Wilson Govea is my number four, man. Um, remember that guy? Of course, yeah. I think somebody who – I was looking at somebody who beat him That was that's on my list. I'm going to go double-check that, but you go ahead. Okay, well, I won't go through the list so much. He, he actually debuts with a loss. Um, his fir- uh, not even his first professional loss, by the way. Uh, to Keith Jardine. Takes it on short notice, but puts up a hell of a fight, so they keep him on. Then he uh, get, reels off three uh, submission wins. Knocks out Jason Lambert at UFC 80 Rapid Fire, one of my favorite cards, like a bunch of finishes. Um, and, uh, and then, like... Uh, yeah, he loses loses at UFC 80, uh, 84, ill will, um, to a good guy there. Uh, I remember being at that that way in. I didn't go to the actual card, um, but it's it's funny. He was just a talented guy. He was just one of those early Brazilian cats who, like, you know, you mentioned Eric Silva, and he's not on my list, and he could be on other people's list. And I was probably too jaded by the time Eric Silva came around, but. When it was the Wilson Goveas of the world, I was like, oh, I was so, like, these these guys who could just, they had the pop on the feet, they had the, they had the brawler instincts, you know, but they had the submissions, you know. Diego Brandao's kind of reminded me of him, too, very similar. Um, I, I don't want to talk about him too much because he, he could be on this list as well, and I t- totally spaced that name. Um, but, like, he's got, he had that similar, he was one of those early prototype guys. And trivia fact, when we interviewed Dan Lambert, I went back, I couldn't find out which fight it was. I thought it was the Keith Jardine fight. It might have happened outside the UFC. But the calf kick that everybody talks about, um, they either credit it to Benson Henderson and the lab, which is fine, or they credit to American Top Team. Now, if they credit to American Top Team, people will counter and be like, you're saying it because of a recent trend. However, if you ask Dan Lambert, he'll credit Wilson Govea for coming up with the calf kick by accident. You know, like many inventions, like the peanut butter or Coca-Cola, it was by accident, right? And Govea, who would gas as the fight went on, started gassing, and the leg kicks were working early, but he kept throwing them and was gassing. They ended up going to the calf, and the corner picked up that it was bruising his opponent's calf and really messing him up more than the leg kicks were when he was fresh. And they actually credit that to the birth. Uh, again, you got to go fight Dan Lambert. I'm just the messenger here. Um, but for what Dan Lambert's word is uh, worth, um, that's where it comes from. 
Uh, so Wilson Govea was generating a lot of hype for a lot of reasons back then that still extend till today, even though his legacy and title aspirations did not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great pick. The, the guy that I was thinking about, actually, that, that fought Wilson Govea was Goran Relgis. Yep. I, I was looking at him earlier because he was a guy that I thought was really good and yeah. just didn't do it. Yeah, I, I never thought he was going to be a champion or anything, but I uh, I remember thinking Goran Relgis was going to be a really good fighter and not that he isn't a good fighter, but he didn't uh, end up doing great things in the UFC. Well, he had the he had the he came off he you know he debuts at a big card like that, probably wins as an underdog, right? He's a southpaw striker, uh, who is friends with Crow Cop, comes from Croatia, so yeah. he's getting that rub. And then his next his best highlight after that sadly comes outside of the octagon. Remember when that is that story of like a car drove out of the uh, drove over the rail and into the ocean. And Gordon Relic heard it outside of his window and then saw that a car, and he jumped out of his window, ran to the ocean side, jumped in, and like saved like a kid and, a, and an adult from a remember, drowning yeah, I car. Reading about that. It's an insane story. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. how, what is the setup? What was the, how close does this guy live to the so water? He achieved greatness outside of the octagon, which is more important sometimes, especially in a case like this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Gordon Relic. Yeah, that was a great, a great shout. And he's on UFC 84, one of those cards that are my favorites. So he'll always have a special place. But yeah, Wilson Govea, man, I had to give him a shout here. Yeah, Wilson uh, was a fun fighter to watch. And I think he still he still is one of the coaches at Top Team, is he not? I think I, I still hear his name from time to time. Could be, man. He's 41 now, so, uh, yeah. I, you know, he has been fighting. So hopefully that'd be, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. He's, uh, he's certainly an, an interesting guy on the list. I, he, he never really crossed my mind, but I remember watching him and thinking he was very good. But uh, he wasn't one of those guys that... that Caught my eye in that sense. No, uh, no crossover so far. Um, no crossover. Yeah. My number f- four bridges to my number three, but let's see what your number three is. Maybe it'll bridge to your number three. Does it? Um, well, I mean, they're both from Brazil. Does that count? Okay, there we go. That that's 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 a bridge. All right. Uh, well, this is a guy who I'm not. I'm not certain everybody's going to really remember, but I just remember watching him fight. And thinking, like, this guy looks like a featherweight Anderson Silva. Like, the way that he was moving, the way that he was striking. It, he, a more accurate com- comparison is probably Venom Page. But I think he, he was probably kind of before the time of, of Venom Page or around the same time as Venom Page. That's Kevin Souza. Kevin Souza was, like, he was like a six-foot-tall featherweight who just, he would get really low into a low stance. And uh, he kind of, he struck kind of like Mike, Michael Venom Page, where it, like, looks almost like a snake fight. It's just really, really quick. Um, he, he had two really spectacular knockouts, one against Marka Diva and the other against Captain Nori Kakuno. And Kakuno was a guy that I was really high on also. Uh, and, and then he lost to Chaz Skelly. And I remember a story coming out that they didn't renew him. And I was like, why wouldn't they renew this guy? He looks like he's got a real future. Um, and of course, you know, Chaz Skelly was the only person to beat him in the UFC. He won three and one in the UFC. Then uh, about six months later, fought Patricky Pitbull in um, Bellator. And never fought again. And I don't know wh- how he fell off the map. But this was a guy where I remember when I first watched him, I was like, I'm going to, this is a guy that I'm going to pick every time. I, he, he's just got this, this it factor. And he's, he's, uh, he's fun to watch. He's got this great style. And I, I still, for the life of me, can't understand why the UFC didn't renew his contract. Uh, I, I know, I remember there was an article that they got into like kind of a contract dispute. And then they just let him walk. And I was like, why would you let this guy walk? He looks like he's going to be such a good fighter. And then, so this this guy is kind of the more obscure fighter on my list. He was just a guy that, from the eye test, looked like a guy that was going to be, a, you know, very similar in style to like an Anderson Silva, this really kind of devastating, patient striker who was really, you know, had pinpoint accuracy, picked the spots, uh, but 
we, we know what happened. He, he lost once and was basically never heard from again outside of the fighting on an obscure card in, in Italy against Patricky Pitbull, where he lost a unanimous decision and has, has never fought again. Wow. No, that's a... He's now, he's now 36 years old. Wow, that is true. He did disappear, man. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I wouldn't have had him on my list because of uh, UFC Fight Night 77 because I, I did fade him successively. Chaz Kelly, I still owe, owe, owe a beer. I think I, I got Skelly straight up as an underdog inside the distance and by submission. And boy, did, did he have to fight for his life to get that submission because uh, Kevin Souza was a scary dude. Um, and I don't blame anybody because if you look before that Chaz Kelly fight, uh, he, uh, yeah, he looked like he had that death touch, man. Like that Conor yeah. McGregor style death touch. Um, and I went to see if he was a favorite over over Skelly, but Skelly was actually favored on he was? that fight, which surprised me. Yeah, wow. Skelly was a minus one seventy five favorite, which okay. surprises me because of of the two wins that came before that fight for uh, Kevin Souza. Okay, I must have taken them straight up then. But uh, yeah, wow, that's that does surprise me, especially in Brazil too, because that was a trend. That was a big trend. A lot of guys were still losing uh, going over there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and it makes me wonder if maybe he had visa issues because he never fought outside of Brazil except for that one fight in Italy. He never fought stateside. Did he fight post USADA? Because that was just pre USADA that fight, that loss. That was one of yeah, the last cards pre. I think his whole career was pre USADA. Even yeah. even his Bellator fight, I think, was pre USADA. Yeah, yeah, that explains that. No, I appreciate the obscure pick, though, man. There we go, Brazil. We, he was the jungle fight featherweight champion uh, with three successful title defenses, if you want to count that. I know, I, I know Johnny Eduardo was a striking coach for Nova and Yao, but wasn't he like a striking coach of some sort too? Like he had some credentials like that. Who, who uh, Kevin Souza? I'm not, that yeah. I'm not sure about. At I least just remember, boxing. and I went back and watched his fights today, and I'm like, am I imagine, like, am, am I remembering this correctly? Because he was one of the first guys that really popped to my mind when, when this topic came up. And wow, I, nice. I, I watched the fight, and I remember watching the fights. I watched the fights with him, the uh, Edaba fight, and the. Uh, the more recent fight, uh, sorry, the one that I mentioned before against Kakuno, and I just remember like, wow, I remember, I, I watched him again, and I was like, wow, this guy, yeah, he, he could have become a champion, I still felt the same way watching him, so uh, kudos to Chaz Kelly for getting the job done against him, but unfortunately derailed the poor guy's career, it seems. Yeah, Chaz, what the heck, man. <laughs> Hopefully Chaz watches this, I know Chaz is a, a big consumer of uh, MMA uh, podcast content, so maybe, maybe he'll watch this. Perhaps he does. He is. He is one of the the the, the, the few fighters who follow me on uh, Twitter. So uh, shouts to him, and I appreciate his uh, his betting takes too. I think he could be doing his own podcast uh, when his fighting career is over. I mentioned that to him actually when I saw him in person. I said, "Yeah, that, uh, you should do a bet podcast. You've got really good insights on this." And yeah, he did, he he said, ah, maybe," <laughs> and it hasn't happened, but maybe. Typical, typical fighters. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I love I, I love Jazz Kelly though, but. Uh, yeah, all right. We'll stay in Brazil, Aaron. I'll match your Brazil with the Brazil. I'm going to stay an American top team and even in a, in a division, though. Um, even with some UFC 84 crossover, uh, Tiago Silva. Tiago Silva. Now, you yeah. might say that, you know, uh, that Leota Machida fight, that one could have been considered a title eliminator, whether it was meant to be not, meant to be again. Um, it gets a little sketchy, so that could disqualify him under yours. Uh, but, I mean, he came on the scene destroying guys that were, like, super hyped. Like, you guys remember uh, Houston Alexander and these names. This is when the light heavyweight division was still commanding a respect, right? And you literally get, you know, Joe Rogan and Dana White overuse the word killer now, right? And with uh, society, it's not the best descriptor, perhaps, for these these these, these guys and gals. But... 
this was appropriate when they were saying this guy is a straight killer, right? I hate that saying, you know, uh, but like, uh, this guy's a straight killer. I'm like, what, what is it? As opposed to what, a gay killer? Like, what, 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 what is that supposed to mean? I, I know I'm going down a hole. I'm, I know, stay on target, stay on target. And not to mention that, that when you're talking about this guy and what he did outside of the cage, the, the killer thing is not, not good. No. This guy, this guy was not a good person. No. <laughs> Drugs, firearms, police standoffs, you name it. Yes. And perhaps I should have. And 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 uh, perhaps I should have seen this further of, of uh, his uh his 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 love for disorder because, you know, on that winning streak, of course, he's he's uh, he he pops up at UFC uh, 84 ill will right, um, and I'm at the weigh-ins like I told you, um, and he fight, he beat Antonio Mendez submission of punches. I mean, getting guys to tap to punches over here, um, in the first round. Yeah, just scary, scary guy. And he did the thoughts thing to the camera and just stare it down. You're just like that guy's got issues. Uh, and, uh, and, but so Aaron, after the buffet, you know, because, you know, me and my buddy, my buddy, Steve's getting a lot of play on this podcast. Shouts to him. He, is. he uh, you know, <laughs> so we just finish up at the MGM and we watch, you know, we watch, you know, who's small Paul Harris, this guy just come out with like, you know, looks like they just let him out of a cage with a scar over his chest. Tito does the yeah. uh, Dana is my bitch. Shout out to the way ends. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, we saw we saw Kenny Florian wasn't fighting that night, but we, we we saw him and said hi, and we're like, you know, boy, we've we've worked up an appetite, and boy, don't we deserve to eat, Aaron? You know, not like these fighters or anything. So we go to the MGM buffet, which is right there, and it's a bit of a line to get in. And once we finally get in, um, we go and we hit up. Uh, we want to get, hit up the expensive stuff first, so we go to the seafood, right? Of course. And. Yeah. As we're about to get served, there was a gentleman who did not feel the need to wait in line. Um, and he kind of stood out because it was giant Tiago Silva coming post weigh-in. And he was a big boy, by the way. I mean, this guy was a heavyweight, uh, cutting serious weight to 205. And that's why he was so scary because he could still do stuff like mount and take backs and do like the Brazilian jiu-jitsu smaller guy stuff, but with stupid, stupid power. Um, so he's going to replenish himself. And not only does he skip the line, Aaron, like I don't know if they don't have a lot of like you know, buffets in Brazil. I don't think he cares about the Brazilian barbecues. I got to imagine the Churrascarias, they have the sneeze guard as well, right? And that kind of tells you which side you should be on. You know, that and the line of people and the, the chef on one side, but he goes to the chef's side. Like, and he just starts loading up just fish and all this slice, the the, the expensive seafood you have to ask for. And the, the it's like they're trying to be authentic there at MGM Grand. They got like a guy that looks like he's straight from Japan there, right? And he doesn't speak a lick of English. He's got a big knife in his hand. He's screaming at Tiago Silva, waving it. Ah, what are you doing? Ah, ah. And Tiago Silva just look, like calmly looks at him. And it's great. He's looking at him, giving him his attention, like trying to process it, very confused. Perhaps he's not hydrated. But his hands are simultaneously loading more and more fish. And he just nods to the guy. In his credit... You know, Tiago, he's got some really bad standoffs in his career. He didn't do it violently. He just was really obsessed with food. He let the guy wave the knife. Didn't even blink at this knife being waved in his face. And uh, went and went and just pounded fish. And we're like, should probably bet on that guy. <laughs> and uh, he, he ended up winning against Antonio Mendes, who I don't remember. No. If Antonio Mendes walked into this room right now. I wouldn't know who he was. No, he was a big Can you guy too. Antonio Mendez is somebody I know. You've watched this card more than once because it seems like you have a real kinship with uh, UFC 84. If you saw him, would you recognize Antonio Mendez? Uh, 
Antonio Mendes, for people that don't know, he looks like, um, especially shaved head Tony Ferguson, he looks like that version of Tony Ferguson, but like older. Like if he had, um, like a, like a, like, you know, like a, uh, uh, a, a mice and men, I think I'm, I'm like a big George kind of to his, uh, yeah. Lenny. I don't know if I'm getting Lenny, the characters yeah. right. Yeah. But, uh, that's what, that's who Antonio Mendes looked like. That was a, that was a great card though. Sorry to get sidetracked. A lot of UFC 84 talk on this card. But uh, yeah, Thiago Silva, and of course he went he went downhill as we, as we uh, as we know. And last time I saw him was at ACB main event in California against Jared Torgerson. I was there live for that, and uh, just the most annoying person in the crowd. I think it was Jared's wife or something going, "Let's go Torgerson, Torgerson, let's go, come on Torgerson." And it reminded me of that Bill Burr podcast. Let's go TCU. And uh, that was the last I saw Thiago Silva. He's still fighting, though. I'm looking at his record, and he last fought like a year ago, like May of 2019. So maybe yeah. he's still he's in KSW, so I don't know if he's still, uh, he's still at it. Yeah, he lost to uh, David Zavada's brother, Martin Zavada, over there at KSW. He's been kind of the guy that's been, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, they get brought in. Um, you know, they get brought in in regional Never promotions ever. when things don't work yeah. out. Yeah. Well, he was he was that guy was a scary guy, Tiago. So he was. And, and like you mentioned, it's because of how big he was and, and the fact that he was so slippery on the ground, like he was so good with his jujitsu. Um I used to love watching that guy. He was an entertaining fighter at the at the very least. I I'm not sure if I ever saw title potential in him, but I certainly knew that he was a, a really, really uh tough out. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yeah, and this was before like the John Jones era, right? He was coming up, so you could act, you 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 actually were allowed to have an imagination about two oh five. Yeah, it was great. Of yeah, yeah. I have I had one one two hundred five guy that's on my honorable mention list, and I think the the reason he's on my honorable mention list is because I never really thought he'd beat John, but I thought he'd get to a title fight. So we'll, we'll get to them him a little bit later on. All right. What's your number two as we push on, Aaron? So this is the first guy I thought about when this subject came up, and uh, you know we have Darren Till now, the Scouser, but the Darren original Till. Scouser, Paul Sass. Paul Sass, you know, the, master of, the master of the Sass angle, because I remember. He came into the UFC and his ground game seemed light years ahead. He was he was catching everybody in the first round with all these crafty submissions and he was always fishing for submissions, always finding them. People would take him down and they wouldn't know what to do because this guy was wrapping his legs around them. He was looking, going for toe holds, going for knee bars. He was doing all the kind of stuff that people are doing now. He was like really ahead of the, the ground game back then and just incredible to watch. Uh, and then eventually after a, a few, I think he had three wins in a row, all first round finishes. Uh, yeah, so, so win against uh, Mark Holst, Michael Johnson, of course. Uh, he got him with an in- inverted heel hook in the first round. And uh, Jacob Christmas Volkman. I know Christmas is coming up, so shout out to Christmas Volkman. <laughs> yeah, Christmas Volkman. Uh, yes. In the, in the first round. He subbed <laughs> yes. him with the, uh, the triangle arm bar. I remember Volkman was a wrestler. He was taking on Sass, and I think Volkman was favored in that fight. And I was like, that's not, he shouldn't be favored. He's going to take him down and get <laughs> put into a world of trouble. So uh, he ended up, he ended up uh, beating Jacob Volkman, and then he ended up facing another good jiu-jitsu guy in Matt Wyman, and, and he got submitted in the first round. Then lost uh, to Danny Cathillo, and like Kevin Sousa, got prematurely released, ended up in Bellator for one more about six months later, actually won that one, a, a toehold against Rod Montoya, and uh, has since... Uh, walked out off into the sunset. It's been seven years since we've seen Paul Sass in the cage. And he signed like a multi-fight deal with Beltra. I don't know why he didn't come back. And I know he still trains at Team Cowbon with the, with the lads. Uh, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we haven't seen Paul Sass back. And he was a guy that I thought was going to make a lot of noise in the UFC and potentially become champion because it was a very wrestling-heavy division back then. And he was so good on the ground, he could catch anybody in anything. Paul Sass, Aaron? Paul Sass? Fucking Paul Sass? <laughs> 
<laughs> you kidding me? Uh, I love it. I love it. Sorry for the, that poor accent. I just love it. I came across his name too. Uh, I didn't have high hopes because I I, I, had, I had such um, heavy opinions on 155, but he definitely came across my study. He's gotten honorable mentions on other lists. Maybe it was the Unlikely Heroes as well as like a Jacob Christmas Volkman. You're bringing me back all the memories. So I certainly respect Paul Sassman. And he was like the un... He was the soft-spoken scalpster too. He was like Garth, right? Yeah. You know, like like yeah. Darren Till's fucking Wayne, and uh, <laughs> Paul Sass was like Garth because they like, Joe would be like, "You don't understand. You're catching everybody with this. People don't understand how hard this is in this division. They know what's coming, and you're doing it. What the fuck?" And then Paul Sass essentially was just like, and, "Yeah, I like the play. And, you know, I like the triangles. <laughs> I also like the toe holes. <laughs> I like the play. I like the play." It's like essentially just like Garth. Garth's. I love that. I like to play. Like, like that was. Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite. One. That's gotta be. That's gotta be. Uh, that makes my top five line deliveries. Uh, Wayne's World. Uh, I like to play. It probably is just under Back to the Future Two. Since when did you become the physical type? Uh, that's just a great one. I don't think too. there's a movie I've seen more than Wayne's World. Like that. Wayne's World is probably number one in terms of the amount of times I've seen it. Um, Ace Ventura's in the mix. Beavis and Butthead to America's in the mix. Just in terms of the, the sheer volume of times that I saw those movies. So if I asked you if Benjamin were an ice cream, what flavor would he be? What would, you, what would your answer be, Aaron? Oh, God, I don't remember. I haven't seen the movie in probably 20 years, but I watched it like 75 times when I was a kid. Parlene's and Dick. Leave the cursing oh, to me, okay. I know. Even on even on this crazy show, I gotta I gotta I gotta do the the, the lifting with the uh, with the cursing. What's going on? I'm just kidding. It's it's good to have someone keep me on target. Oh, believe me. Uh, let's push on before we go down to Wayne's world. By the way, Die Die Hard is probably a, a, it for me with a close second. I know it's typical, but Fight Club's a close second. But Wayne's World's probably on that top five. One of the first VHSs I bought. Nineteen ninety two. Also, I got heavy rotations in the uh, the VHS player. Dude, I did this move, Aaron. It's one of the few, few and first times I did this this move where uh, I made my mom buy it saying it was for my dad. And then I just watched it. Took it. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good move. So, you know, I mean, I was a kid. You know, you got you to gotta, you gotta expose yourself to things that certainly didn't harm me or my sense of humor at all. Uh, pushing on, number two. <laughs> Aaron, what did you have for number two? That was my number two. Was Paul Sass? You're up. Paul Sass. I am up. See, keeping on track, folks. You see, the lunatics running the asylum here. Uh, thankfully, this it, it feel, these guys were actually written spaced out, so I didn't do like a stream of consciousness, like it would seem. But just like my four connects to my three, um, I'm not gonna stay Brazilian. I'm not gonna stay American Top Team. But Tiago Silva did face a guy. Uh, I was in attendance at UFC 125 that says no contest, but he essentially played the bongo drums on Brandon Vera's head. And Brandon Vera is as tough. Uh, I debated this one, Aaron, because he went on to win a championship in one, which I believe he recently lost, finally, a heavyweight championship. No, Not he's trying... still the champion. I think he's still the champion there. Oh, that was like a lower weight fight or a non-title fight to Anne Lang Sign? He was Arjun Bowler. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. Did he just fight? Because they just—they've been having a lot of cards recently, but I'm gonna take a look. You—you you continue. I'll take a look. Yeah, October. No, you're right. He lost, he lost to Angla, but he was still the—but but he was—he moved down a division for that one. Oh, okay, that's so right. So he's still the heavyweight like, champion. Because that guy's fought like middleweight, I think. Um, but yeah, it's and nothing against one, nothing against Brandon. Uh, what was done there? But Brandon Vera is always known as the the first guy to talk about champ champ status. He never received it. In fact, he's credited to the curse of talking about it before it's a uh, you even get close. Mm -hmm. You might not get close at all. 
And you could argue that his fight with Tim Sylvia wasn't an eliminator of sorts or an important one at the very least, but I, that didn't. Uh, I feel like uh, the one cha- the one belt would exclude him off my list more than that, Aaron. Uh, but the reason why he makes the list so high is because if I'm being honest with myself on guys who I really thought had all the tools, who I was sold on, um, and had multiple divisions he could have done it in, was Brandon Vera, man, and. Yeah, by the time he got beat, beat on at UFC 125, that I was I, I was disillusioned no more. But before then, oh man, you know this guy. What he was a Greco. He does kickboxing with Rob Kamen, uh, Lloyd Irvin, Jiu-Jitsu, One of the first Alliance guys to really put that team on the map. Um, he, he, all the skills, man. All the skills you could possibly ask for. He even had dexterity off of his back and stuff. Even though. You know, right when he starts kind of having that turning point, he just kind of freezes, even though John Jones is practically giving him an arm bar that Vitor Belfort would later take and almost submit John Jones with. Vera didn't take it and got his, you know, his orbital crush. And you could feel for the guy because you're like, you know, the Tim Sylvia fight, okay, maybe he bit, he was caught speeding, but then he faces for Verdum at UFC 85, one of the most injury-plague-ridden cards I remember. And... You know, it, it was kind of an early stoppage, but where was he going to go under the mount of Fabricio Verdum? So he could, you know, kind of rest his hat on, oh, it was controversial. Beats Reese Sandy, uh, goes down, you know, to 205, loses a split to Keith Jardine, and you're like, well, Keith Jardine's one of those guys who just makes ugly fights. So you're still giving him passes. And, you know, puts a two-fight winning streak together and then probably should have beat Randy Couture. I love Randy, but, you know, he dropped Randy a couple times with body shots. Under today's judging, that goes to Vera. And then loses to John Jones, and it's just all pretty much downhill. Um, so I know there's probably a lot that that would have maybe not met your criteria, Aaron. But being honest with myself, I gotta, I gotta put him up here high on my list. Well, to be honest, I thought Vera had fought for the title at some point in time in the UFC, and then I just went and looked, and he hadn't, and he wasn't never even in the title eliminator because, like you mentioned, he kept talking about wanting to be a champion in two divisions. I thought that he had just gotten to that point, and he never did. So he's great. Like he's he's good, definitely a good part uh, of the list. And uh, when I first started watching MMA, it was kind of when Vera was on that win streak. He had just beaten Frank Mir, and yeah. I remember all the buzz around him was that he was going to become the champion. Like he was the next guy. He was young at the time, and uh, he was. He was kind of like next up, and everybody thought that it was almost a foregone conclusion to become the heavyweight champion. But like you said, he never did. He never got there. I, that's a good pick. He's uh, he he was somebody that I looked at, and I just obviously didn't look hard enough because I thought that he had already fought that he had fought for the title at some point in time. But uh, I was wrong on that one. All right. Well, number one time, man. This is uh, crazy. Uh, I, I'm, we, I don't even think we need to do a Chinese fire joke. No I, have, I have no no crossover, and I have no connection. There's nothing that tethers this conversation to my number one. So. Drumroll, what is your number one, Aaron? So my number one is an interesting one because it's not like somebody who flamed out or like he just never lived up to expectations. Uh, he's somebody that I watched on top and said, this guy can be a champion one day. Like this guy has all the tools, fantastic grappling, huge for the division. He was 5'11 and fought at bantamweight. Um, but an injury and concussions derailed his career. Chris Holdsworth um, he ended up being 5-0. and like I think, what is he now? He's five or six and six and zero. Oh, had two wins in the UFC, and we just never saw him fight again. Um, he's he's the, still the grappling coach um, at uh, Team Alpha Male, and uh, I just thought Chris. I thought it was a foregone conclusion that he'd be the champion at bantamweight one day, and I still to this day think he would have become the champion at bantamweight at some point in time uh, had that injury not derailed his career. Had the head the head injury not derailed his career, um, and it's a really he's actually still in the UFC uh, testing pool from what I if if, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, I, I've asked him in the past if he would ever consider a comeback, and he said not really, but he stays in just in case, in case whatever he, he decides maybe. But uh, he's just a guy that I thought at some point in time would become the champion. He had he had everything that that would um, all of the skills that would uh, lead someone to believe that it could be the champion. So he's number one on my list because um, he didn't come close. But it's not his it's not his fault. You know, it's it's an injury thing. Uh, so a shout out to Chris Holdsworth. Uh, certainly not a guy that I think uh, you know n- doesn't really fit the same kind of mold as the others that are on my list but a guy that I, th- I still think i'd like to give his due as a guy that i thought would be champion one day and still think he could have been champion but we, we never unfortunately got the chance to find out yeah folks that's a great pick um obviously soft spot for me because you know uh, a guy derailed by concussion stuff right obviously that's a soft spot but also um it wasn't ufc hype it wasn't tough hype or even team alpha male hype um that led aaron to that pick, for what it's worth, like I follow Holsworth comes from my scene, Las Vegas scene, tough enough scene. Uh, so I saw that kid come up, uh, f- fought even friends of mine. Uh, you know, didn't go to the same gym. That, that's why. So I always knew about Chris Holdsworth, and he always, even from early on, had this hype. This this kid's gonna be champion. Talk. You don't hear that often, even back then. You don't hear that about amateurs. Yeah, and he started his career. If you count his fights on tough. Uh, 10 straight first round finishes uh, I mean at bantamweight that's pretty impressive and um, his you know his first fight in the UFC was the ultimate fighter finale where he beat Davy Grant to become the ultimate fighter that, that went to the second round and then his next fight was against Chico Camus which he won by decision but yeah he was just a guy that I thought the sky was the limit for him and uh, I really wish we would have gotten the chance to find out I'm sure he would have he wishes that as well uh, so that's why he's number one on my list I just I, I, I feel like there's there's kind of that we never got to find out. It's kind of the unanswered question. Never came close, but what could have been? Absolutely, man. What 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 could have been? That's a great one. I love that you shouted out Holdsworth, man. That's that's definitely my favorite um, of your list here. Uh, so that's fitting, man, that it's number one. Great, great shout there. All right. My number one is also a lighter weight guy. Um, shoot, maybe you could mistake him for Chris Holdsworth if you didn't if you didn't know any better. They're probably not that much different in dimension, look, hair tone, and whatnot. Um, a lot of this pick and a lot of my picks were like, I guess I justify him being so high is because I not only thought he would be champion, but kind of like we were mentioning John Jones, um, you actually thought they could beat one of the greats, and that's really rare because usually when you have the dominant champ, um, that's going to cancel guys out for this list for the most part because we didn't really... You know, even if we thought highly, we're like, maybe this person will be a great action fighter, not a champion. I'm trying to think of who it could be, because I'm sure they're on my honorable mention list, but I'm not. I'm well, eager to hear who it is. Well, Demetrius Johnson doesn't get me- mentioned with John Jones very much these days, but he's up there, deservedly so, for pound-for-pound all-timers, dominant champions, uh, etc. Um, and not many people, you know, a lot of a lot of people we picked and were wrong about, and one of mine was uh, Justin Scoggins. And I know he's still active, even though he hasn't fought in you know, about a year and a half since it was a win in Risen, even though he also lost there um, to a like scissor choke, a submission, which seems to be his kryptonite. Um, this guy had the style, man. Um, you know, it was he had the wrestling, but also I'm very biased to Kenpo Karate guys. Of course, guys like Steven Thompson um, got chances at the title, so they can't be at this list. Obviously, I always thought high and wanted those guys to do well. 
But Scoggins was another guy, and I was at his fight live against Ray Borg, who was another guy that I didn't peg him to beat DJ, but many people did earlier on. Maybe but not by the time he fought him, but earlier on. Uh, and so to see him school Borg uh, at that Hendrix Thompson card, speaking of Kempo Karate, it was like, man, Kempo Karate is alive and well. I, I was riding so high driving home off that card, Aaron. Uh, not only did I pick, I think, every card, every fight right, I think, uh, as well. Uh, it was a good night that way, but it was like... It was like, you know, you know, like Mike Pyle got an epic win. You know, he's a fan favorite I always rooted for. Good guy. Um, and, uh, but the Kempo Karate guys, Thompson and Scoggins, got wins, man. And you, you look at that Scoggins from that Ray Borg fight, and that was the last fight we would see. That was his last win until that Risen win that I just referenced. Uh, he would not win in the UFC again. He would be winning all of his fights, you could argue, um, until jumping into mm-hmm. submissions or, you know, just getting out – outpointed uh, and losing a split to Saeed Nurmagomedov and you really couldn't even feel bad at that point because even in that fight I think he was making a bunch of mistakes um, and yeah man just Justin Scoggins it just he was a guy where I was like this is going to be the guy to beat DJ couldn't have been more wrong man I couldn't have been more yeah. wrong you know another uh, karate guy that, that I thought about on this that I thought was going to be really good I, I would I would never have said that I would declare that he was championship caliber another Justin actually Justin Lawrence I remember watching him on Tough, and yeah. Justin Lawrence was going to be a guy that could make some real noise in the UFC, and it's just, that just never ended up being the case. Same but, here. Uh, yeah, so both, yeah, Justin Scoggins is on my honorable mention list, and I saw somebody had re- responded to this thread with uh, Justin Scoggins, and he was another guy that kind of immediately came to mind for me um, as a guy. But I, I don't know if I, if I so much thought he was going to become a champion as a, a guy that I thought was going to become like a real a player in the division. Like I, I thought that he'd be a top-five guy. He was kind of a super prospect, but... Uh, yeah, never got there, sadly. And uh, I think that he's one of the more disappointing fighters of the last decade, uh, of people that we that you know really had a lot of upside that just didn't deliver. And I think he would probably agree with that. Like I think he would agree that he should have won a lot of those fights that he lost. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's very fair. Um, again, to be fair here, like I, I don't think you know anything was stated that you know you would disagree with. Um, and it's just one of those unfortunate things. But you know me, you know I got to give the karate guys some love. And, um, again, we'll talk about here with some honorable mentions, but, like, those guys that you peg to beat the really great champions, I, I think, tend to tend to come to mind on this type of list, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, do you want me to roll through some honorable mentions? Uh, as I pull up the listener list, give me some of your honorable mentions at the top, and then we'll move to listener lists. Well, the guy that was going to be number one before I realized that he had been in a title eliminator was Krokop. Like, Krokop, to me, is the ultimate guy that, like, didn't really come close in the UFC and had uh, so much hype around him. Like, he was the scariest guy in MMA at the time. And uh, technically, his fight with Gabriel Gonzaga that he lost that kind of derailed his UFC hopes was a uh, title eliminator, technically. So right. I, I, I removed him from the list for that reason. But I, I still think he's a, he deserves a spot on this list. I mean, Krokop is a legend. We saw what he did in Japan. This isn't the guy who flamed out or, or you know, had this upside that was unanswered. It was just more the hype. The hype around him coming into the UFC, which he just didn't deliver on it. Um, George Sotteropoulos, a guy who won a bunch of fights in a row um, from Australia, a guy that, you know, they ended up making a coach on tough. A lot of people forget that he was a coach on tough smashes. Uh, a guy that I think they thought had a lot of upside. Uh, he won, I think, I think he started his career winning three or four in a row and then lost four in a row. But uh, he was a guy that I thought had upside. The aforementioned guy at light heavyweight that I thought might compete with John Jones at some point and maybe hang with him was Phil Davis. Like, Phil Davis was a pure eye test guy and, and still a great fighter. 
um, a guy who was a Bellator, became a Bellator champion. So that's kind of why I didn't put him on this list. But he was a guy that I was like, wow, this is the guy that I think can actually challenge John Jones. Never got to see it. Um, Edson Barboza was uh, on my list. I mean, uh-huh. He's a guy that's always been kind of a keeper, but never really got to that next level, uh, similar to kind of a Dong Young Kim. So I, I had Edson on my list. Uh, Jimmy Hedis. When I remember when he first came into the UFC, Jimmy Hedis was a guy who was like, wow, he was very similar to Paul Sass. I was like, wow, this guy's so crafty and creative, and you can finish it, and you finish guys anywhere. And then he also kind of lost a couple in a row, and we haven't heard from him again. I don't think, I think his last fight was in the UFC, and it was probably in like 2013 or something. But Jimmy Hedis was a guy I thought had a lot of upside. Uh, Eric Newbreed Coke. I thought Eric Coke was, uh, I think a lot of people thought Eric Coke had a, a lot of championship potential. He's um, still in the UFC, actually coming off a win right now in the UFC. But uh, somebody who I think a lot of people thought was kind of a hot prospect that could move up, big guy for the division, had all those kind of uh, intangibles. At heavyweight, I, I was going to have him on my list, but he ended up being in a title eliminator as well. It was Travis Brown. Like I, I remember when Travis Brown was was destroying guys. I was like, oh, yeah. this guy's got it. You know, and it's heavyweight. Anybody could become a champion at heavyweight. And so Travis Brown was on my list. He's still in the USADA uh, testing pool as well. Maybe we haven't seen the last of Hapa. Um, Hatsu Hayoki, uh, another guy that I think was was huge in Japan, came over to the UFC and didn't live up to expectations, but looked so big and so talented in there. Um, the aforementioned Justin Scoggins. Um, another guy that fought for the interim title was Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald was another guy that I thought oh, yeah. would get to that next level. Yeah, and, uh, that's, that's a name surprising yeah. come up. Um, yeah, and uh, do, you want, do you want me to stop? Am I naming too many guys? Well, I, I, I want to give some listener shine. So I think, okay. well, I want give, to give, give the listeners some shine. I'll let you clean up. Yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you clean up what they did because... My man Benny Abs here is he's got Jimmy Hedis as well. Um, okay. I never I, I like Jimmy Hedis getting shouts because he was always a fun fighter. I just never had that the that, that, that big uh thing on him. I was surprised he didn't get mentioned on your name. What about the Polish Hammery, uh Chris Horde Hordecki? Oh. Chris Hordecki? Uh, I don't know. I I I never thought that he was gonna become a champion, but he was I think one of the reasons why he's kind of a fair name is because he was so young. Like he got into things so oh, young yeah. and so talented at an early age and Unfortunately, I mean, one of the best knockouts that never discussed is that Njokowani knockout that uh, of Chris Hordeski, where Hordeski kind of started to run away, and, and Njokowani used his massive reach to, to throw that head kick and caught him as he was trying to get out of trouble. That's that's a, one of the better finishes in WEC history. But yeah, the, yeah, he Hordeski was uh, he was a guy, especially early, like before he got into his like into the WEC, he was a guy in Canada that a lot of people were discussing as kind of a next guy. Yeah, man, he'd always be doing the rounds at Extreme Couture, and um, yeah, we, I, I don't blame people for putting that name on there. Same with Hatsu Hayoki, I had big hopes for him as well. Um, Benny Abs says if that counts on the basis of his UFC run. He also says Sokuju, that was one I could see people having high hopes for. That's a really good shout there. Todd Duffy, all come to mind. Todd Duffy's a guy I expected to be on the list of yours or many. Uh, I didn't put him on there, I just, I don't know. It, it's fitting, but like... It just seemed one obvious, and then I don't know. Two, I know Todd, so it's like it's too too real of a pick. Yeah. Uh, Can I make you feel old? Yeah, we're coming up on the ten year anniversary of the uh, the Uberim finish of Todd Duffy at Dream New Year's Eve. It's ten years ago. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy, man. That is crazy. Um, oh. <laughs> At Vorpality, my man. I hope to hear Justin Scoggins' name is mentioned. Got you, number one, sir. Yeah, got you, buddy. <laughs> uh, Mark Fellows at Fellows Mark. I remember being impressed with Thomas Almeida's flying start to his UFC career, but he faded faster than a fart in the wind. His words, not mine. Yeah. 
Thomas Almeida was a guy that I thought about also, but he was on my list of uh, on our last show of failed prospects. Like yes. prospects that didn't live up the potential. Yeah. So I didn't want to double dip. Exactly. See, there was a lot of that too, and and also he would have been on a lot of people's lists, and I was like fading him, you know, uh, already for the left hook, seeing things there. So I couldn't honestly put him on there, but I don't blame anybody for thinking high of the guy. I mean, you know, this is incredibly yeah, fun. Defeated. I mean, the UFC it was a killer. James Lawson at Jimmy Lawson. Uh, Mirsad Bektik is another one. I, I'm not surprised to see on here. I oh, never yeah, got that's a good one. I on the Bektik train, well. but Thomas yeah. Almeida he agrees with as well. Alex Garcia giving some Canada love there. I could see uh, Alex Garcia getting a lot of love in the Nightmare. Uh, the Cuban Nightmare, what was his name? I forget. Um, James agrees with you with Travis Brown. Yeah, I remember he was impressive. His first fight came on. Um, and then uh, Duho Choi giving the, the Asians some love. I appreciate that. We don't really get... Um, he was on my honorable mention list too, Duho Choi. You know, usually the... Uh, I, I think we're doing an, an assuming fighters list, and usually, like that's where my Asian brethren ends up. So to to, to see him giving people high, see one giving people high hopes, I love that because we don't get the uh, we don't get the we don't get the uh, that kind of stereotype of positive. So that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Even though I'm not Korean or Duho Choi, I felt the need to thank you. Uh, I'll go. Axe. Yeah, sadly, no Jewish guys on this list. So, yeah. yeah, what's going on? Where's Ellenberger at? Yeah. Nobody thought Noad Lahat. No, Ellenberger's not Jewish. I know that just that's really that's stereotypical. Name. No hey, Lahat, no, you're, you're, you're no talking Lahat, to the guy. Hey, you're talking to the guy who turned yeah, your Rosenstruck Jewish, okay, Aaron? So you're you're gonna have to deal with who I let in your club, even though I'm not a part of your club. That's just how it's gonna yeah. work here. So <laughs> just take that tattoo that Thiago Santos has of the giant Jewish star and put it on Rosenstruck, and there you go. <laughs> there we go. I love it. Uh, I love it. Uh, well, it, it. He should. That would be great if he just represented Israel for one fight. Because like Sabata did Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? Like Rosenstrike could do Israel if he wanted to, right? Hey, is Nathan Levy, Levy a, an extreme guy or syndicate? He's he's, he's like the the, ne the the next Jewish fighter in the uh, in the UFC. I should I know, know that. In Vegas. But I yeah. Trained with him or anything like he's that. Popping, I, I never trained with him, but he's, he's popping up for both gyms. I can't tell you which one. Um. <laughs> Hodko at Ball X Gun Roger Huerta. That's a, that, there's a name. Yeah, that, that's that. That seemingly was. Uh, I mean, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated for a reason, and uh, I think they had high hopes for him. That's a great answer. Stephen, he never came close either. Yeah, like, right after he was on the cover, it was like the Madden curse. He just like fell off. Yep. Stefan Struve uh, made my honorable mentions. Um, that guy was a fun fighter and just a guy that maybe could have put it all together if he learned how to jab. There was a lot of years where. You know, a lot of us probably were holding on to that hope. <laughs> yep, unfortunately not. Never happened, never happened. Uh, Musasi, well, I guess that's for UFC. It's hard because Musasi has so many titles other places, um, which I'll get to. I, for I, Musasi. I, I thought about Musasi. His name kind of came across my desk earlier. But, uh, yeah, Musasi just came too close to becoming a champion in the UFC. I think he was like one fight away kind of thing. He's got Krokop and Vanderlei, but both those guys, more Vanderlei especially, felt like they were always in the mix. Like they only needed one win, and then they would have gotten a title shot kind of a thing. Yeah. If they could just put some momentum yeah. together, which they couldn't do. Yeah, they just couldn't string together two wins in a row kind of thing. So they weren't in official title eliminators and didn't win official UFC titles, but between their accolades outside and their relevance overall... Yeah. I think you could forgive us for not for not putting that in this. It was past his prime. Like it was like when Takanori Gomi came to the UFC. Like I don't think people at that point thought that he was going to become a champion. I feel like people thought the same way about Vanderlei. It was a little bit too li too little too late when he joined. But 
still a good answer, reasonable answer. Yeah, totally. What was uh, what was your last four, Aaron? Do you still have your your place held there for your cleanup on your honorable mentions? Yeah, so Duho was mentioned already. Sure. Uh, you mentioned Brandau earlier in the show. Brandau was on my list. Nice. Coming off top, he just looked like a guy that was not to be tampered with. And kind of Warley Alves a little bit too. I, uh, he kind of fit sure. that role. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But uh, the other ones I had uh, as well, Ruslan Magomedov. It uh, makes me think back to the MMA analysis where they almost had a bet where uh, Sean Carey was obsessed with Bigmadov and w- thought that he was going to become a champion before Stipe and they almost bet on it. Yes. So, uh, but Ruslan Magomedov, he was like, he was, he was Bigmadov. Whenever you have a Medov and uh, they're in a heavyweight division, you can't write them off. And uh, John Hathaway, who was mentioned earlier in the show, fought that uh, uh, sorry Dong Young Kim John Hathaway started his career I remember he was kind of the English guy that they were building up they kept throwing him kind of fight easy I was high on John Hathaway yeah. aside so, from when he fought Mike Pyle aside from when he fought Mike Pyle like I even like bet on him to beat Diego Sanchez which was a big deal at the time guys Diego Sanchez just started turning the negative corner yeah yeah, right. He was a, he was a former uh, like he was a title challenger in his own right. The one hundred people never realize how good one hundred and fifty five pound Diego like title challenger Diego Sanchez was like when he fought BJ Penn like that that era or even um, prior to that like he was Sanchez. people forget how good he was. Yeah, it was. You look at his career. It was it, 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 that BJ Penn fight. Both their careers changed dramatically from that point on. It's kind of crazy. One guy won. One guy took one of the most epic beatdowns, but it was almost like they both took the damage because if you look at both their career trajectories, it was one of those fights where in, in th- that was both those guys who they were. We love it. We love them for it. If, you, if you're yeah. fans of those guys, but that was the best you were going to see from It's only going to get painful. And from I couldn't there. believe that BJ Penn was able to do that to him. I, I, I didn't think that anybody could do that to Diego Sanchez at the time. I mean, and that's why like even people like Anderson Silva were saying like, that performance, that guy is the best fighter that we've ever seen and ever at any point, ever. Yeah. Like the people yeah. who mattered were saying that, folks. Like, anyways, but not, not, not yeah, going that ramp. Another guy, people don't forget. People don't remember how good he is. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That too. So it's like, it's all lost context now. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm surprised Francis Carmont wasn't on your list. He's a guy I could I, see. I, I looked at him. I, I looked at Francis. So, so I, the thing about Francis is he was too one-dimensional for me. Like he was, he was really good, and you could tell that he had learned like a lot of the wrestling chops with GSP, like at, you know at TriStar and all that. But the striking was never super impressive. Whenever people were able to keep on the feet, he was always like a fish out of water. So I, I never, I never really bought into him. I, he, he struck me as one of those guys that like could take anybody down and just hold them there. But he, yeah, he wasn't that high up on my radar. Yeah, man. Uh... I don't blame you. He wasn't high on my radar either, but you know he passed that eye test. Speaking of the eye test, and I would rank him a little higher in the same division, he's still banging around too. Carlos Vemela. I mean, the name sounded scary. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember him. The you know, but we didn't have like the Russian inv- invasion yet, so like anybody from Eastern Europe was scary, right? Like We didn't have any of the Madoffs. Oh, no, Polish Pistola. He was from Czech Republic, right? Polish Pistola is uh, Seth Pasinski. Yeah, Polish yeah, Vimola. Seth Pasinski. I, I forget, but like I remember, like Vemela. If that doesn't sound scary, yeah, like he he would wear like the venom, the scary venom shorts as well, and he looked like there's this muscle. Like he just looked like he looked like what we thought, like like before Khabib was around. Like like that would be the prototype, and then he never really panned out. I mentioned this guy a lot because uh, Jack Hermanson hits a really nice submission, submits him from guard. Um, when Vemel is on top of him, if you go watch regional yeah, I, I fight, tried to, I tried to erase him from my memory because I once called him a lock to win a fight and he lost. So yeah, I mean he's but he's that eye test, right? He, he I looks like he Kyle Mago Yesh. I thought that was like a no brainer, like layup that he was going to be Kyle Mago Yesh and he lost. Nope. So uh, he, he he's he's banned for life. Melvin Gallard. 
Melvin Gillard's a guy I could see on a lot of people's list. You know, he's like, yeah. you're yeah, like, I, when's he gonna I put it together? Him. Yeah, he's. <laughs> that's what everybody's waiting for. Is like, if he can, if he can put it together, he'll, he'll he can beat just. And look at some of the wins that he had, right? Like, he was a good fighter. Totally. I even had a streak at a certain point. This guy, I don't think he could have become champion, but he was in that because uh, I, I was becoming a big fan of him as uh, the same time BJ Penn was moving back into the territory. But I always was a big fan of Batman, Kurt Pellegrino. Always loved oh, me yeah. some Batman, Kurt Pellegrino fights. The blonde hair, the, the dyed Eminem blonde yep. hair. Uh, this guy looked less impressive in retrospect because I forgot about his IFL career. But uh, Brad Blackburn always looked like he fit the eye test. Um I don't know if that's racist. I keep the guys like that I keep saying fit the eye test, but he was a handsome looking dude that was built. He looked like he had a good, well rounded base of skills. He just didn't uh ran into Amir Sadala after a nice win streak and never bounced back. Yeah. And Amir was a guy that I think a lot of people thought had tons of upside. He was O and O when he won the open fighter, was he not? Like I think he, all of his fights were in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love a uh, Amir. Uh he, he doesn't make my list, but Luis Kane would would have been on uh some people's list, I believe. Uh, yeah, I looked at him too. Yep. Um, Caro, even though I got respect for Caro and bias toward him, he still doesn't make the list. But Caro was a guy that had a lot of hype on his come up and then had his, his, uh, was supposed to get a title shot, I believe, at a certain point, but then got derailed, never could get back there, did battled anxiety and addiction issues. Yeah, you know, Caro is a great name. Yeah, Caro, I, people don't realize how good he was either. Caro was a, a monster. Like, Caro was, uh, he was he was difficult for people to beat, and it just was a mental thing. Like it's it, basically his mental health derailed him. Uh, and of course, like I think he lost the GSP, of course, which was right, no, which, no shame back. But well, I mean, not no shame back then. He probably was really hard on himself for it because he was like, "Who is this right, guy?" Yeah, and he didn't know yeah, that. Like, well, no, that guy's gonna be the the best. Yeah, yeah, but people knew that GSP was uh, good. I mean, GSP was like the TKO champion. People sure. knew he was good, but I don't think they knew he was that good. Yeah, I think he would have forgave himself a little more if he would have, you know, had some future goggles, seeing in the future there, right? Um, Yoshiro Maeda, just because I, everyone knows I love that Miguel Torres title fight, and I'm like, at the very least, if we don't see this guy fight for a title again, he's going to provide fun fights, and he just he's kind of disappeared off the face of the earth and went to other organizations, didn't even do well there, like went back to Japan, was really sad. Uh, but boy, did he come to life at that WEC night. Um, Chris Wade, even though he's still up there, I just thought he was going to be a lot better, but he's a little too new. He still can do things, but both in the UFC and PFL kind of let me down. Speaking of Big Madoff, I got Little Madoff here, Rashid Magomedov. Yeah, he's um, good. He, Rashid Magomedov. Good. And I was looking at guys like Rustam Kabalov. Like, you saw that first fight against Big Oh, Madoff. yeah. Yeah. It's a great like, one. He was going to be potentially a champion. Um, good name. You know, Islam Makhachev, I still think, has the potential to become a champion, but I feel like he hasn't lived up to that potential just yet. So we're recording this right before Anthony Pettis fights at the last card of the year. Um, so this is a weird prediction. I don't want to timestamp too much, but I'm pretty sure Rashid Magomedov is still PFL, right? Yeah. I don't know why, but I just feel like... Unless he's an ACA or something now, but I'll look it up. Yeah, I feel like this is weird. Regardless if Pettis wins or loses in the UFC, I think we're going to see Pettis and Rashid Magomedov at some point fight for the Bellator lightweight title and Magomedov's going to beat him in a very boring fashion. There's my there's my bold prediction. He is an ACA and he's 36 already now, Rashid Magomedov, 36. Jesus, slow burn. God damn. 
But he, he he didn't do very well in the PFL. Like you look at his PFL record, and it was like he had a no. draw with Will Brooks, but he was three and three with a draw. Like, well, that format was not made for his style. I mean, he had that's the one thing that's that's the tough part about his style. If it's not already hard enough to like, yeah. Uh, last one on my my honorable mention and almost made it high, but this guy again, he this is the one I was hinting to. He got too many titles outside of the organization, but the fact that this was one of the guy I pegged to pick John Jones um, and. The health issues kind of explained just the lackluster part of his last career, but that's King Mo, and I love King Mo. I don't want to be disrespectful, but it, mm-hmm. it's so hard because he was a champion in, in Bellator, uh, Strike Force, Bellator. He won like a heavyweight Grand Prix in Risen. So like I can't, you know, and I love Mo, so he deserves all the respect that his accolades deserve him. Um, but if you're thinking about Strike Force Mo, like this is the guy. I think it's could, could beat maybe John Jones here, um, mm-hmm. you know. Before just before Cormier was even talking about going down to the heavyweight, so he wasn't in the picture this time, folks. Um, and you look at the style, and you just like it was just was lackluster, you know. Nothing against my my hardcore brother Emmanuel Newton, um, but he's getting knocked out by the spinning back fist, you know, and like all these really deflating things, and gets away from the wrestling, um, and you can really tell that he just separated himself from the submission grappling in general and just really just fell in love with this boxing style that, you know, it served him well sometimes, but it just never felt like you were getting the full mo out there, even in his wins. Yeah, yeah, but I, he, he became a champion. He I did, know. he did, so I couldn't put him on the list, but yeah, it's like... Yeah, I think that you can't really have him on the list, right? He, became, he didn't fight in the UFC, right? So he can never become a UFC champion. No, yeah, so I, I, that's why I left him off my list, but I, just, I wanted to mention him as an honorable mention because he's just, because of the expectation, you know, it, it, he yeah, fit yeah, that yeah. context. I think that people thought he'd be a champion for a long time kind of thing. Sure, sure. Wow, man, that was that was pretty rad, man. This was uh, fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know how Christmassy spirit it was, but considering this podcast, I, I think I've given up now. Like, <laughs> um, and This will well, segue to a nice... Twenty twenty has been a bit of a letdown, and some of these fighters were, were a bit of a letdown. So we, we can we can we can just close it with that. Well, no, no, I was going to segue to a plug for your podcast. Uh, considering this podcast doesn't do any award shows or anything, I, I think I've given up on that for the last couple years now. Um, this will this will be like the year end show, man. This will be coming out Christmas week, so uh, hopefully this provided some holiday entertainment. Uh, I, I, hard to get holiday. Uh, it's hard to get holiday themes in this sport, obviously, but. Uh, we did our best for you, and if you're looking for like proper year-end shows to segue to the positive here, check out, again, one of my favorite podcasts, the TSN MMA Show. Again, give it that positive rating and review. Aaron's like me, man. He doesn't ask for much. No hate to everybody that does the hustle out here, but Aaron takes pretty much no time off at all, like myself. Thankfully, he's going to, finally, this man. <laughs> um, and he offers a lot, really good content, so please hit that subscribe for his show. It was an excellent award show, by the way. You had some of my favorite people on there, of course, my colleague, Mike Mott, MMA. And I don't know if these guys know or, or they don't follow or, uh, follow me, but I certainly will vouch, and I, I love all these people for what it's worth. The Brian Campbells of the world. I think Mark Ramundi, Sean Alshadi. I mean, you had... You had uh, so some really great great people on there, a great uh, award show. People, go check that out for end-of-the-year awards. I'm not doing any of that here. We're going to be back with some more top fives, though. But, uh, Aaron, as I took over your plug stage for you, is there anything left for you you'd like to plug on your way out this year? No, I think you got it covered. TSN MMA show, rate and review. I'm not looking for any Patreon money. Not that I have any, not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, just just looking for some positive reviews because it's uh, I'd, like, I'd like more people to listen to the podcast. I, I love doing these interviews every week. 
And um, I, I just would like for more people to listen to them. I put a lot of work into them, and uh, I think that you'll enjoy them. If you're into <laughs> MMA, I think you're going to get a different kind of uh, perspective in these interviews that you're going that you're not going to hear in a lot of other places. And that's really what I'm going for. So if you're looking for something that's not the same kind of cookie cutter interview that you're you're accustomed to, not that, again, not that there's anything wrong with that, because I know that a lot of these websites operate on on clicks and things like that. Um, but I, I've kind of changed what my mantra is in terms of interviewing, and uh, I hope that you you can glean something unique from uh, from the different interviews. It is, man. That's why it's a it's a must for me, and I don't just say that, you know, because you're one of the few colleagues I could call friends in this space. But no, honestly, man, you do a great job. Um, and and as you know, as I kind of referenced earlier, it, it, and people know about me, it, if something's good, whether I like you or not, it's you're gonna you're gonna get the honest the honest uh, honest honest answer here. And again, you're also gonna get analysis for people that like analysis stuff. You actually have an actual fighter on your podcast, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, uh, one of the best, especially when it comes to the kickboxing side and instructionals and all that stuff. So there's just there's a ton of there's a ton over there. Thank you guys for sticking with this show. I know I'm, I'm you know the lunatics run the asylum here. Uh, it, it's a bit crazy. It's I'm, I'm, I'm dragging across the finish line, but I, I really do appreciate you guys. Um, instead of looking at the things you don't have, I'm trying to take that advice, my own advice, and appreciate what you do. And I'm lucky enough to have a dude like Aaron to come on this show. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have the listeners that I have that like are just actual like good fans I can talk to and not get annoyed with we can go back and forth and and it's all fun like man I'm so grateful for that Uh, I'm really grateful for where I am and to do this Um, I just I'm frustrated sometimes I wish I could do it better for you guys but that's what next year's for we we like to improve every year so I'm gonna attempt to do that thanks for sticking with me and always protect your neck